Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman. If you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity, and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential, and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. Hi, let me ask you, how is your ego doing these days? You know, the part of you that finds a thousand reasons why you should be scared, tells you all the what ifs, compares you with others and tells you, well, you should have definitely more like this person or less because you're not like this person. The part of you that tries to control every little detail of life because it doesn't trust anybody, including yourself. Has this part of you been super active these days? Well, if that's the case, then you know that the ego, which has a bad reputation, is nothing but a smaller self that just tries to protect you with the means and the knowledge that usually stem from your childhood. But what do you do with that part of you? You cannot really get rid of it because if you would, you wouldn't really be whole again. So how do you make it grow up, transform, include into the wholeness? Well, this is exactly what part of the work of my guest today is about. And I'm talking about Paul Salik, who has been already twice on my show, and I just love to talk with him. He is a very unique person because he is a author of nine books, but all of the books have been channeled material, unfiltered. So he is the vessel of all this information that is coming in. And when you read through his books, you have the feeling that it's not only the words that really strike you as truth. It's the energy that is transmitted from the pages. It's a very fascinating and transformational experience. So I'm very excited that he's here to introduce the third book of his latest trilogy, Beyond the Known, and the third book is called The Kingdom. So without further ado, I'll bring it on. Thanks, Paul, for being here. Well, Paul, it's so nice to see you. And uh, in your new environment, new, your new home in Maui, so I'm really happy for you to show us greener pastures. How have you been doing? You know, I've been good. I mean, it's been a crazy year. It was a crazy year for everybody. You know, I was uh, working in Costa Rica doing a retreat when New York City went into lockdown last March. And I ended up on Maui by just because I had a friend who said, here's a place you can stay. And I ended up loving it here. And now I live here. So it was an interesting year of, of great change. Wow, that's quite transformational and changing, I can imagine. Now, you also just uh, published the third book of your Beyond the Known trilogy. And uh, I love them all. But to keep our uh, listeners uh, up to speed, can you, I don't know if it's possible, summarize the first two books before we delve into the kingdom? I'll try. Um... I think the kingdoms released in August. I just did the audiobook, so I just read it through when I was in the, the booth because when I'm channeling the books, 
I retain maybe a third of the information. Um, but the first book of the trilogy was called Realization. And it was really the teaching of what the guides call the upper room, which they say is a level of consciousness that is coexistent to ours or a level of vibration that we can align to. So they're giving us the instructions on aligning to the upper room. The second book was Alchemy. And um, that really is the book about lifting things to the upper room and releasing the things within us that stop us from aligning to that level of, of, of vibration or consciousness, or as they like to say, agreement. And it's really uh, a book about, I think, why we keep going up and down this spectrum of, um, of, 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 of emotional reality, you know, and not to judge that, but they say, well, if you want to stay in the upper room, there are ways to do it. And here's the work of doing that. The Kingdom, which is the third book, is really about abiding there, I think, and beginning to align to what they call the Kingdom. And they say the Kingdom is the realization of the inherent divine in all manifestation. Um, and, you know, in all of these books, there have been these attunements or claims um, that they build on, and that's been the truth with all the books that preceded them. But one of the things they've been saying somewhat incessantly for a while is that humanity's only real problem is what they call our denial of the divine. And that's not about religion, but they say the denial of, of, of the source of all things, which is the source of everything, they say, in different levels of, of tone or vibration or, or accord or articulation is their word. Um, so they're really working with that now, how to move us beyond what they call the denial of the divine to a realization of the inherent divine, which they say is in all things. Now, a lot of people have some bad experiences with religion and also with the word God. And God was certainly mentioned in your book. And, and I think you probably are one of them who are not so religiously uh, attuned in the past. So how do you see God differently than the bearded uh, man on the cloud? Well, you know, I don't know that I've got this down, truthfully. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a channel. I take dictation. But what they've said is there is one note or one tone being played in the entire universe, which they call God. They say that's the infrastructure of everything seen or imagined. And that that one tone, they say, is an articulation or a manifestation is all things. So the substance of all things is this one sound, this one tone. They call it the word sometimes. And they say the word is the action of the creator. So, you know, when they say things like, and when it's one of the attunements in the book, God is, God is, God is, it's the remembrance of the one source. They've never talked about an old man on a cloud. I mean, I was raised an atheist, you know, and mm -hmm. um, I think my mom would say an agnostic, maybe that's more true, but I was raised to believe that the stuff was for stupid people. And that was a very comfortable place for me to rest in until mm -hmm. uh, a series of events happened that, you know, began to open me up to the possibility of something much more. So I'm not uncomfortable with the idea. I think in some ways, you know, you can, people can say the universe and God, you know, 
you know, God is the universe. And it only really matters what you call it, you know. Um, but in some ways, I think what the guides are also doing is reclaiming language um, that I think has been misappropriated by religion and sort of bringing it into a place that I, I, I hope is experiential for the reader because the books are really energetic transmissions that work with the reader. They're less intellectual exercises in possibilities than a way of sort of tapping in and experiencing this. I think if that hadn't been the case, I would have stopped channeling mm -hmm. this time ago. No, I can imagine that this sound of the divine is in the teachings because there is a energetic transmission that happens. I mean, you just read a page and something, even if you don't really comprehend all the words, something mm -hmm. just uh, changes inside, which is one of the fascinating things about your books. But one thing I'm wondering is, you know, the upper room and the kingdom are the same. Do I understand this right? Or I, well, I think, I think the kingdom is, 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 moved into through the upper room. The upper room is, I, the guides say this, they say everything exists in octaves. You know, our reality is an octave. High notes and low notes, everything they say is in tone. And they say the upper room is the octave above the one that we've been operating in. And mm -hmm. so to move to the upper room is to shift the level of vibration and consciousness to be able to align there but they say the upper room is also vast. So I think that the upper, they, they've used, I think a couple of times, the ideas interchangeably, but I think the kingdom is far more the experience of the upper room. So I think that there's a difference perhaps between getting off the elevator at the 10th floor and walking in the vestibule and say, hey, wow, this is the 10th floor, look out the window, it's beautiful than really experiencing yourself at that level of, of consciousness. So the kingdom is living through the consciousness of the upper room. Yeah. Where does the ego come in there? Because a lot of people are struggling, especially right now with that part of them. Well, I am. I mean, I think we all are. The guides say, they, they don't talk about ego much. I think they've used the word like three times in their books, but they do talk about the personality structure. Mm. And the, the personality structure is who we think we are. And the personality structure, they say, knows itself in history. That's all it can know, you know, what it's been told, what it's been experienced, what one should aspire to, you know. So, so much of what we think we are, what we want or should want, are born out of this collective structure. And this is all sort of that tethering to the lower octave. This is the stuff that exists there. So when they speak about moving to the upper room, they talk about, you know, uh, I mean, they, they do this through a series of attunements, but, you know, one of the claims is I am free, I am free, I am free. And that they say is spoken by the true self, not the personality self. The attunements are all spoken at the level of, they say, the monad or the Christ itself or the true self. Because they say the true self is always free. It mm. can only know itself as thus. And it's the true self that really is what expresses in what they call the upper room. So they say that the personality self is appropriated there. It's, you know, it's, it's absorbed there. 
there's a need for it. If you still like your coffee black, you like your coffee black. If you prefer blondes to brunettes, that's you. You know, you can have what you want. They're not saying we don't have that, but I do think we stop experiencing ourselves as the personality structure, which is finite. You know, we understand it, it's a part of who we are, but it's not the expression. So it's kind of like what they would say, and they said this, I think it was in um, Alchemy. You know, we've been at a masquerade and we've mistaken who we are for the mask we've worn. And they say the masks are coming off now. And most of that's frightening to everybody, you know, whether it's happening at the level of personality or the level of the collective, you know, things aren't what they, we thought they were. And so we're having to go through this experience of releasing the mask. And that's a lot of what the guides are teaching is how that happens and how to, how to work with it. I don't find it a comfortable process in the least. I wish my guides someday were writing happy self-help books on how to make <laughs> a better apartment or something like that. But that's not what they teach. And um, I'm along for the ride with this. You know, I don't, I have, there's a new book due in November 1st. I, they haven't started the dictation yet. I haven't been given a title. I know nothing. I'm just saying, well, I hope to God, you know, it's happened nine times. I guess it will happen again. You know, not good that they'll deliver what's next because mm -hmm. they've got the book to hear beyond mine for them. So what do you find uncomfortable about this process? Well, I mean, what the guides have said is, you know, if you've got a body buried in the basement, eventually it's going to stink up the whole house. And we all have parts of ourselves we prefer not to look at or not to be in confrontation with. And, you know, very simple teaching of the guides is what you damn damns your back or who you, who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. And what I think we're having to deal with now are both of those things, the parts of ourselves that we've denied, because we have to bring those parts of ourselves to the light or to God or whatever you want to call it, because that's how it's healed. And also within our world. Now, I think people get confused here and they think it's about dredging stuff up to point fingers and to blame. And I think, you know, really nothing gets healed until it's first seen. You don't get to bypass this stuff. You don't get to say, well, it wasn't so bad when I was a kid. Maybe it was really awful. And mm -hmm. that's what we've got to know in order to move beyond it, not to get stuck there and not to drag everybody into the dark with you with your, your pain. But I think this is the process. And um, it was very much the process of the Book of Alchemy. And I went through it as they were teaching it. And it's not that it's over. I suspect this stuff happens in layers. But I think what we're going through individually as people is also sort of being outpictured in the whole. I think we can see it in the world too, you know? And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's an opportunity. I think everything is an opportunity. I and mean, the guides keep stressing this. If we begin to perceive everything as opportunity, we can work with it well. If we shift into victimhood, we don't work with it very well. We go back into the old bias and paradigm of separation, um, which is how we were raised and in fact sort of indoctrinated to believe that we're separate from one another. And consequently, the guide said, you know, we, we bought that lie so fully that we're separate from each other that we believe ourselves to be separate from source as well, which they say is, is, can never be true, it can be our experience, but that doesn't make it true. 
But this has been going on since the existence of human mankind or just since the last 2,000 years? I don't know. I mean, they've said that their teaching is older than what we know, and it's always been present in different forms, and that the seed of the teaching can be found in all religions. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. That's what they say. But what they're saying is that humanity is at a juncture. In the very first book, which was called I Am the Word, which was dictated in 2009, they said humanity is at a time of reckoning, and a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. And everything that's been created in fear needs to be renowned or recreated in a higher way. And that that's what we're going through now, and it's what we've mm -hmm. been going through, and we will continue to go through it. And, you know, I understand this is how we are preserving humanity by going through this process because we really can't continue on the trajectory that we've been on without, you know, probably self-annihilation. You know, we build bombs that are big enough to do that. And, you know, the guides have said the idea that you can build bombs so that you can feel safe is insane because bombs are actually meant to go off. I mean, that's the purpose of them. And if you think that one day that doesn't happen, you're probably, you know, not telling yourself the truth. I mean, not only bombs, but also guns, for sure. But, you know, one of those things that I find uh, so challenging right now with people, and including myself, is certainly this, uh, you know, this temptation to go into fear or control. You know, there are these two temptations that you want to control all your circumstances because you only trust yourself. And if you can, then you go into fear place. What are the guys saying about that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If I'm, I'm a, it's, it's early in the morning where I am now. I'm on my first cup of coffee. I don't know if I'm going to channel for you on this, on this broadcast. But what would the guys say about the need? I'm going to ask. They're saying you want to decide what's right for you. And you do it at the level of personality which gives you the answers that you have. And the personality seeks to survive at the cost of all other things, at the cost of all other things. It doesn't understand the self as a turtle, or no one's brother as oneself, nor no one's brother as oneself, which is in fact a higher truth, which is in fact a higher truth. The ability to move to the higher, to know the self in a way, to know the self in a new way is prescribed, is prescribed, instructed, and instructed in and available to all of you and available to all of you. Should you wish it? Should you wish it? We don't have a book to. We don't tell people what to do. We open a door that they may walk through the wish. We open a door that they may walk through if they wish or choice. Your choice, either I'm in control or I'm going to be harmed, either I'm in control or going to be harmed is a template of fear, is a template of fear and the action of fear. And the action of fear is and always has been, is and always has been to claim more fear, to claim more fear. Any choice you make in fear, any choice you make in fear calls more for you to, calls more fear to your actual aligning. You are actually aligning to a current of vibration, to a current of vibration that is the denial of the divine, that is the denial of the divine. That is what fear is. That is what fear is. We are teaching realization. We are teaching you realization to know who you are, to know who you are in the face of change, in the face of change and beyond circumstances that you have great power to, and beyond circumstances that you would give great power to, period. I just said period. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you.
but you certainly also talk or the guides talk a lot about love yeah. as the way to the upper room as you know a choice yeah but you know they don't talk about love as much as i i would think they would i mean that's mm -hmm. certainly in the books but they do talk about acceptance and they say you know it's like they said who you put in darkness what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness so they are teaching about forgiveness and forgiveness not in well that didn't really matter it was okay you can punch me in the nose again if you want to but in an awareness of how people act in fear and in a belief in separation mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's an exercise in one of the older books, Book of Mastery, where they had people go into a cave, and in that cave was the one person they never wanted to see again. And the exercise was to walk that person out of the cave into the light. And the guides explained it, that said, you are the one that put them in darkness, and they call you to that darkness. So if you want to release yourself, you have to release them. It's not about pandering to some idea of, of being sanctimonious or forgiving. We do these things so that we're untied from them, so that we're not, you know, kept in fear mm -hmm. or shadow or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I suppose that is love. Um, so then just said yes, it's an act of love. It's an act of love to reconcile the divine, to reconcile the divine where the divine has been ignored, ignored, period, period. Now, do you feel that you, the teachings have brought you to a completely different place? I mean, you are, I know, 30% you only retain, but then you're yeah. certainly going back to the teachings. Has it changed you? Yeah, you know, but I don't feel that I'm, if there is a there, I'm not going to say that I'm there there. But yeah, absolutely it has. I'm living in an extraordinarily different life than I would have ever imagined I would be living. I was a college teacher for 25 years, and I assumed I would do that until I was too old to do that. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm certainly not a guru. I'm a man who sits in a chair and operates as a radio. And I do this when I work as a channel, and I do this when I work as a psychic. You know, I, I'm a medium for the living, so I can't tell you what you're get Aunt Clara's thinking, but if Clara's living in the next town and you haven't spoken in two years, I can probably hear her pretty well and give you very accurate information. And so that's my odd ability, and I show up for that. But because I show up for this, and I show up for this often when I don't want to, um, but I'm committed to the work, I have to go through it too. So I don't get the free pass. So if the guys are saying, okay, everybody get ready to deal with some more of your crap, I'm there, you know, you know, I'm not going to say I'm at the front of the line. I may be hiding at the back, but I'm in line too, along with everybody else. I don't think that this is, it's not feel good woo woo stuff. This is sort of mysticism. I suspect if it's anything. Um, and honestly, You know, when I question it, I just go, well, you know what, Paul, no matter how articulate you might be, you can't sit back in a chair with your eyes closed and dictate nine books that don't require any editing at all, which mm -hmm. is with these things. I think they're, in an average book, there may be three words changed because I mispronounce them. 
or I was talking so fast that I overstepped and dropped uh, a word because and you can hear it because I whisper and repeat. So you can, we can usually catch them in the mm -hmm. record. The wonderful mm -hmm. transcriptionist who's gotten very adept at that. But that's been the agreement. And I've been fortunate to work with publishers who have agreed to that. You know, we don't go back and change things. It's scary for me with every book because I know when I'm in a dictation session, that's what it's going to be in the world. Um, I don't get to go back and say, let's just trim that paragraph or take out that word. We just can't do it. Um, occasionally, the guides might say, and this is not in the book. And then I go, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, but, you know, the last book, The Kingdom, was dictated because I'd done maybe the last five books in front of live audiences. You know, all of it was done either online in front of audiences, mostly in workshops. Um, because of COVID and everybody being in lockdown, the last book was dictated to some of it online in workshops, but most of it to a small group that assembled to be witness to the teachings because I can't channel without somebody listening. I won't do it. Mm -hmm. And it was the first book that was channeled without my having the ability to work with the attunements in a public setting so that I understood them personally myself which gives me comfort. I don't think it makes a difference in the dictation at all. So anyway, that's that. So has it changed me? Yeah, I'm still doing it. <laughs> but I mean, you probably have a good idea of what it is, you know, to be in the upper room. I mean, you spend probably some time there. Well, I'm channeling, sure. I've had periods of it here. Um, I did not get into this kind of stuff because things were so rosy. You know, I'm not one of those people. And, you know, I am very grateful for the path that has led me here. Don't question that. I, don't, I, I accept that fully. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like everybody else, I've got my stuff and my challenges. And the more I work with the guide's teachings to attend to them, the better off I am, yeah. you know, and I'm often resistant to doing that, but I know that it works when I do it. So pretty simple. Well, they chose you for a reason, I'm sure. I see. Yeah. I mean, they've talked some about that or I asked, you know, I think there was a bit of both happening here. Um, for whatever reasons, I seem to be sort of built for this, adept for this. You know, if I was six foot five, maybe I'd be, adept at being a basketball player, you know, but this is sort of how I seem to be wired. And I think it's a, it's, it's a really interesting use of, of my abilities. Um, you know, it's not what I thought I would be doing. You know, I started opening up spiritually and psychically when I was 25. Um, and that really basically just shattered my world because it's, you know, I had a whole other path that I expected to be on than the one that I found myself on. And that continues to be the case. Well, the reason why I'm asking is because you, as the one who gets this first hand knowledge, probably know how to transcend fear and how to transcend this small self, because you probably have been vacillating up and down many times. Yes and no, but you know, but I'm radio. Too. Think of the, Think of me that way. I'm mm. radio. So when I'm channeling, I'm just keeping up with it. 
<laughs> I'm keeping up with the dictation. It's like reading a thousand fortune cookies, one after the other, after the other, without even, I don't even know what the sentence is going to be. I hear phrase, 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 mm. phrase. Mm. And so I'm just keeping up. Yeah. I retain about a third. I retain the larger gestures of the work when I channel. But I don't necessarily, or, or something that's a detail that was surprising to me, but I'm most effective when I'm actually just taking the dictation and not trying to understand or listen. Because then I'm really out of the way, you know, yeah. and the more out of the way I am, the more effective I am, and the more out of the way I am, the less that I retain. So the first time that I generally really experience a book is when I'm sitting and doing the audio book and I have to read it aloud, again, read it aloud from start to finish. And then I go, oh boy. Um, and that's, you know, how I'm taught as well. So I'm taught in the energy of this, there's no question. Um, and do I have access to everything I teach? Absolutely. But honestly, if you were the channel, it would be easier. Because I go, hmm, let's see what he had to say today. Oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, that's great. I'll do that, you know. And there's still a little piece of me always that's who the hell am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I accept that. And maybe that's also part of the reason I'm doing this. I really do not have an ego investment in this right. role that I'm in. You know, I, I see myself. If you ever go like to court and you see the stenographer, you know, typing away in the front, I'm the stenographer for this. I don't yeah. think it's a terribly grand position to be in, but it's, I'm taking dictation, nothing else. And that's unfiltered. So you definitely don't have any filters around that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have in your kingdom book, one beautiful, I don't know what you want to call it, if it's an agreement or if it's uh, an affirmation, but it's basically when you do feel a fear coming up, the guide says, uh, or when the separation consciousness coming up, the guide says, this choose to say, on this day, I choose to align every aspect of my being to the choices before me, so that any choice I may make will be the alignment with my true self. And mm -hmm. I just love that. I mean, this is just something very, very powerful. And, and I think the books are full of these, you know, really simple, but very powerful ways of shifting the energy, raising the octave. That's what they do. It's an energetic teaching, I think, far more so than an intellectual one. What would you recommend for people on how to start? And let's say they are intrigued by the idea of the true self, the upper room, the kingdom, but they don't know how to begin. Well, I think people go to the book that calls to them. There's nine of them. But the guides are very good teachers, and they say that they teach in a one-room schoolhouse and you can enter the teaching anywhere and they will teach you. And they do, they say, sponsor or mentor the students of their work. So, you know, some people enter it at the most recent book. It happens frequently and then they find themselves going back. Some people go back to the very first book, I Am the Word, or the first book of that trilogy, whether it's the book of mastery or realization, um, because the, the, the trilogies are, are complete. But you know, there's a lot of information at this point. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of channeling. And I just trust that people go where they're led. 
And there is no one way to get there, to the upper room, the kingdom there. Well, the upper room, they, they tell you how to do it. If you want to work with the upper room teachings, you can start with realization. Um, mm -hmm. They catch the reader up in alchemy and they catch the reader up again in the kingdom. Um, the basis for all of the books in some ways, are, I think, in the upper room, the preparatory work for the upper room teachings are in the books that preceded them. They've mm -hmm. given a teaching that is in sequence. And they. I think sometimes the DNA of all of the books are in the very first book and that they've been unpacking that teaching about the inherent divine ever since. Um, but I don't know that that's true. And again, I don't know what's next either. I mean, again, there's another book that should be completed in a few months. I'm going, oh my God, is this going to happen? <laughs> well, do we all have a choice to go to the kingdom or is that something that, you know, we can also refuse? Yeah, we have free will. They honor free will. Do what you want, you know. And they've never said, I mean, they say, if anybody ever tells you it's my way or the highway, go, go, go run in the other direction. I don't think it works that way. Mm -hmm. But we do have free will. The guides talk about the braiding of the will, the will of the personality self and the divine will, and that they begin to operate in union or unison. And that at that level, you begin to move into what they call knowing or, you know, clear cognizance. You're just, you're just operating from knowing. You're not trying to figure it out anymore because your, your, your choices are made. Just like that quote that you, mm -hmm. in the book, your choices are made at that level of awareness. Mm -hmm. um, you have choice, yes. And there are consequences for the choices. Always, any choice. But I mean, also choosing to stay with the personality self has a consequence of possibly greater suffering. You're gonna learn through the personality self. That's what it's here for. It's nothing wrong with it. It's not something necessarily to be overcome, I don't think. I just think the problem has been that we've confused it with who we really are. But you know, you can learn that fire is dangerous by putting your hand in it. Mm. But you don't, you don't have to learn that way. You understand? Yeah, so, absolutely. We have choice and we can learn however we wish. Um, I, I do trust at this point, and it's not always easy, that you know the circumstances that I have in my life are what are here to teach me. It's really that simple. You know, it's like it's all opportunity if I'm willing to look at it that way. And are the guides, just as a final question, are the guides hopeful for humanity or are they neutral yeah, in regards to how no, they I, I've been finding them pretty hopeful. They've actually said humanity's made a choice. And this is going to happen. That's so the collective soul of humanity, the collective humanity on a higher level has said yes to progressing forward. And that's some of what we're dealing with now is how we have to do that. Because mm -hmm. we need to be sort of unmade or racing in order to be made new. And that's a lot of their teaching, how things are made new, re-seen, re-articulated in what they call the upper room or the higher octave. And that also has probably to do how we deal with nature, animals, Absolutely. all of those things. Yeah, we're responsible for what we create. And that includes physical planet that we're in stewardship of and seem to not do a very good job of stewarding. So the challenge right now for most of us is just keeping 
forward, moving forward with his choice and not getting pulled into the darkness by being righteous or angry or any of those things. Well, they say self-righteousness is always the small self for the personality structure. You know, it's a, it's a convenient trap and I fall into it, but I'm pretty good at catching myself when I do it because it gets more and more uncomfortable right. when I do it. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for this enlightening hour again, or half an hour. And uh, I wish you all the best for this new book and the book in November that it all comes through as it needs to be. And uh, I appreciate so much that you are letting yourself be that vehicle for all this wisdom to come through. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Goodbye.